Hello, everyone, and welcome again to M365 Voice. Uh, my name is Mike Marani. Sarah? I'm Sarah Hazi. And I'm Antonio Maya. And we are excited to have you for another question from the jar. All right, are you ready? Ready. Okay, here we go. go. <clears throat> oh, this is right up, uh, right up your alley here, Antonio. Um, what is Project Cortex and what is SharePoint Syntax? I'm confused. And what exactly is a content model and what does all of this have to do with information management? Oh, it's a long question. Okay. okay, that's a big question. Um, so I can start. Um, I've had a bit of experience with Project Cortex and with SharePoint Syntax. So Project Cortex is an initiative at Microsoft where they are um, innovating and developing new ways to um, extract knowledge, manage knowledge, access knowledge from the content you already have in your, your environment, right? So, so, and the word knowledge is really important because it really is about tapping into the information that's already there having ways to automatically extract it and then surface it in ways that's useful to people. And the first product that's come out of this Project Cortex initiative is SharePoint Syntax. And Syntax is really a product that um, it's an add-on to M365 uh, based primarily on SharePoint where you build models that um, can do a couple things, can um, understand documents. So there's document understanding models. And then the second one is process forms kind of form processing models and there's machine learning interface and capabilities that you use to build those models so the second part of the question which was about a model what's a model so a model is where i either train a machine learning algorithm to recognize a certain kind of content or a certain kind of document in this case so that's that's one kind and then another is um, where i teach a model to um recognize a certain kind of content. And machine learning is very different from machine teaching. So that's why we kind of think of it as two different models. And what I do is I train those models and then I can pump documents through them and have um, elements ex automatically extracted from those documents and populated as metadata within SharePoint. And then I can have other things happen based on that. So, so oh, go ahead, oh. Mike. Go, you, you said this so before I said I did, so you go for it. <laughs> so based on your description, Antonio, I almost think of it as sense making of the documents and turning that into usable knowledge. Um, one of the sessions from Microsoft Ignite 2020 that I really loved, Naomi Moneypenny did a session that was all about kind of the theory behind Project Cortex and this knowledge mining, if you will. And I love the analogy that she used because she actually said, if you visualize knowledge management, like the constellations in the sky that we use to basically connect all of the stars together in a meaningful way so that we can understand them, Project Cortex provides this kind of sense-making experience for content. Uh, that might exist in our Microsoft 365 tenant that we can actually teach a model to go and to take a look at that content and almost to interpret it, find patterns and be able to tie them together like constellations. Um, and I thought that was a really powerful analogy to kind of understand the theory behind it. Yeah, yeah, like like a great example of that that I've heard Chris McNulty say, because he gave a couple of sessions on this at night too, was um, I've heard him use this example in the past where 
I can pump contracts, contract documents through SharePoint syntax. And it'll come back to me and tell me not only this is a contract, but it'll also tell me the value of the contract and who the contract is with and when it expires. And then I actually populate that automatically as metadata in my SharePoint library. That way I can then have, you know, processes automatically kick off after that, right? Like if you imagine, I'm going to throw a thousand documents into this library. Syntax is going to go through them. It's going to tell me, yep, this is a contract and here's the value. I can then have workflows to say, okay, if the value is over a certain amount, then it has to go to a leadership team for approval. But if it's under that amount, um, it doesn't, or it goes somewhere else for approval or some other process, right? Okay, I'm already so excited, but I'm going to wait and let Mike talk because otherwise I'm going to start <laughs> talking really fast because I have questions and thoughts. Sure. So you said something, and let's make it clear a bit for, for the audience, that Syntax is an initiative of Project Cortex. Does that mean there are more initiatives that are going to be Yes. born from Project Cortex against different platforms? And if so, do we know what they are or can we talk about it? So there is one other initiative that we do know about and Microsoft has published a little bit of information on. Another initiative is about extracting, like as it's processing content like we talked about, um, extracting topics from that content. So using machine learning to figure out what topics are important in your organization. And it's going to use various tactics, various machine learning algorithms to figure out what topics are important. Um, it's going to then um, populate those contacts, those con sorry, it's going to populate those topics um, in the experiences you use every day, right? And it's going to highlight them. So if you think about situations where if I have a SharePoint page that has a bunch of content on it and uh, there are you know words or acronyms spread throughout, um, those might get highlighted if it got identified by um, Project Cortex as an important topic. And then when I hover over those topics, um, a topic card comes up that gives me more information and I can click on it and it takes me to a knowledge center site. Um, that's a new site template that's going to have information that I can curate um, that, that uh, really allows people to learn more about these topics. But also you could go to the knowledge center and just scroll around and find knowledge within your organization. Right. And then if you imagine these topics get surfaced on a SharePoint site page in a team conversation, in an email you received, um, in a Word document, all of the experiences that you use every day to collaborate on, topics getting highlighted automatically based on what what topics are important in our, our company or our, our organization. That's pretty cool. So yeah. this is pretty cool. Yeah. All right, so I'm feeling the need, the librarian me feels the need to, to um, definitely dive into this from an information analysis, um, almost an information architecture perspective, because one of the powerful things that Naomi said during one of the talks that I saw at Ignite was information architecture is key to helping the, um, the AI and the machine learning engine be able to interpret the data that it's looking at in your organization. You're not required to have an information architecture in place, but your results will be better if you do. And here's my understanding, Antonio, of the way this works. Um, if you're going to use syntax, you are going to have basically a new type of site that exists in your Microsoft 365 tenant, SharePoint tenant, and it's a SharePoint site called Content Center. Okay, yep. Um, and you can use that site to be able, and you can have more than one Content Center, but you go into Content Center to be able to create these content models. And the models, once you design them, you then deploy the model to one or more document libraries to analyze your documents. Correct. That's so, right. 
Okay, so I'm going to continue on this theory for a second. So, so, so just, just to just to summarize what it said, the content center is where you build your models, and correct. then you publish them to libraries throughout that are going to hold different kinds of content. Correct. And you can have more than one content center. Um, you don't have to, but you could have more than one content center to be able to organize your models. Correct. I think the situations where you would use more than one content center are still going to be surfaced, but you can envision in large companies that have different large divisions where they want to manage their own models, they might have their own content center. Okay. So what, what does sorry, it matter? Sorry, Sarah, you had sorry, you had more you were going on there, Sarah? Oh no, I, I have I have another hour and a half worth of okay. more stuff. So right. I might go ahead because we're we'll get to it. So why does it matter when she says that proper information architecture will help you, your, your cause? Since you have a, a content center and you're going to build your model there, and you're, you're going to take your model and publish them or use them in your document libraries. So what impact a proper information architecture will have on building and publishing the models? So when you build your models, um, again, there's two ways. There's machine learning and machine teaching. You do need to have the model learn or you need to teach it what type of data within those models is important, right? So okay. if I look at a contract, um, if I go through the machine learning, sorry, with a contract, if I go through the machine teaching exercise, I'm going to have the document come up, right? I'm going to get this, this interface where the document comes up and I'm going to click on various elements throughout it and I'm going to say, this is a con you know this is the contract value this is the con this is the name of the company the contract is with and so on and that's going to relate directly to the metadata fields that get populated and the metadata fields that are important in our information architecture okay. that's actually a great segue question because um underlying all of this as the model the content models are analyzing your documents they're actually tagging those documents against a content type. And I love content types, right? And content types have been around, frankly, since I think SharePoint 2007. But a lot of people still don't understand what content types can be used for. But they're a way to be able to classify the type of content. And it can be list items or documents. But in this case, we're talking about documents. But they classify your documents. You can set up information management policies that are specific to different content types. Yes. You can obviously filter and report against them. You can either have power automate flows that operate differently based on the content type. And yes. one of the things that you get out of the content model is that once you teach it what a purchase order looks like, yeah. or um, even more um, uh, granular than that, what a certain type of purchase order for office supplies looks like, as opposed to a purchase order for hardware, um, yeah. you can apply different content types. The model can apply different content types that can then kick off power automate flows and yeah. automated business processes down the line. Absolutely. Um, one way that I like to think about that is um, around transactional content, right? Like if you think of transactional content, like you brought up a great example, Sarah, of a purchase order. Um, if you're a company that produces 100,000 purchase orders a week, right? Today, you probably wouldn't store that in SharePoint. A couple reasons. One, it'd be too hard to get it in there. And two, um, you couldn't do anything with it. Like it's so much content that just reasoning over it would be hard, right? Like you could build things certainly that do process them. And I'm sure there's some companies that have done this, but the vast majority wouldn't. But with SharePoint syntax, you can actually just automatically extract that data 
from those purchase orders as they come into a library and automatically kick off those workflows around business processes, right? So I think we will start to see more transactional content come into SharePoint because you can now reason over it efficiently, much more efficiently than you could before. Yeah, and that solves a lot of a lot of management problems when you start managing your content from yeah. the life cycle of it. So we always want to do retention on any content we want to have. We don't want to have it, the content go stale or lives there forever for whatever reason, for yep. legal reason or cleanup reasons. Yep. With, with, with syntax, just the auto applying the content types and the metadata will help our organizations better or simplify the implementation of retention labels also in the compliance center. That's so key because I think that um, the content models can themselves apply retention labels or sensitivity labels. They can. You can actually have the content model apply a retention label based on what it finds. Um, I think that's that part's great. Personally, I'm looking forward to having multiple pieces of metadata extracted using SharePoint syntax and then having the auto apply policies for retention labels and a, a query that looks at multiple metadata fields to decide what you know what does what retention label is most applicable to this content. So I'm trying to look at this as, as applying this at scale, where you've got large numbers of retention labels that depend possibly on multiple metadata fields. Right. And I'm figuring out how to do that with syntax right now. So I'd like to talk about how you build a content model, because I thought I thought that the team, the Microsoft team, did a really good job with this. And one of the sessions that I watched at Ignite, um, they actually showed you in like 30 minutes exactly how they go about building a content model. So I'd like to talk about what that looks like. And you go to this new content center SharePoint site uh, in your tenant, and you basically are going to start building out a new model. And to yep. build out a new model, you start out by uploading example documents into that model. And here's what's fascinating. In order to get started and teach the model, you only need a minimum of five documents is what they're saying. Now you can add more than five, but they're not saying that it takes 200 documents or 300 documents. Um, it takes a relatively small number of documents. And here's what I love. They want both good examples and a non-example, yeah. meaning that if we're trying to teach a model how to interpret purchase orders, you want to upload four to five purchase orders that reflect the kind of thing that you wanted to analyze and then upload something else entirely, um, yeah. you know, like a, a project uh, scoping document um, to teach it what a purchase order looks like and what a purchase order doesn't look like so that the model can disregard the content that doesn't apply. Exactly. Um, you know, personally, I think the more examples you can provide, the more accurate the model will be, the better your model will turn out. Uh, but you're right there's a, um, a much smaller number of examples that you need to provide um, with syntax than you would with other um, AI learning systems. Like if you've ever tried, I don't know if anyone here has ever tried TensorFlow. Um, if you ever use TensorFlow, which is another open source machine learning um, system, um, you often feed it 10,000 examples, right? Like you feed it thousands of examples to teach the model, not hundreds. So the fact that you can do five, 10, 20, personally I like 20 examples, um uh is is a huge advantage right you can immediately teach it you can immediately learn benefits from it uh, sorry you can immediately gain benefits from it without having to go through this long teaching or learning process so what about a couple, couple of questions then about that so from the model perspective what what so you create all your models 
and you publish them and use them in document libraries, what happens if someone uploads a document and does not fit any of those models for whatever reason? Is there anything in the content center that kind of flags it, that there are some content that not being classified at all? I think you just end up seeing the metadata not populated. Okay. Essentially, yeah. So it falls out the bottom basically is not having appropriate metadata. So you'd have to create a filtered view that says, yeah, that doesn't have the right content type or something else. Yeah. Or, or you usually have those metadata columns that it's going to populate, you know, viewable in in your library. So you'd essentially have, um, you know, that item with blank metadata field, uh, and uh, the items that need attention. Maybe that's a way to do it. Um, although I think that relies on required fields. Um, so yeah, a view is probably best or sorting your columns based on, you know, empty values would show you which ones did not get anything applied. So that really works with like structured and like semi-structured content. What about unstructured? Well, we, we, we do like to think of it as unstructured content, right? Because when you say structured content, I kind of think of a database as, as structured content. Okay. Semi-structured, unstructured, I think of as documents, but maybe that's semantics. Um, there's there's two different two different ways to do this, right? There's the document understanding method, which is the machine teaching model, um, and then there's the uh, form processing, right. uh, which is the machine learning model. And the form processing actually uses AI Builder. So what happens there is there's a um, there's a button on the library, I believe. I'm trying to remember the interface brings up the AI builder interface, you upload five to 10, 20 examples. Um, the model goes off and it's learning, and then um, it actually creates a flow in the background so that yes, um, when I upload a document, it triggers AI builder and the model to process the document and then automatically creates and populates those metadata fields. Right. Uh, and that's what I call structured. In okay, fair view, enough. Yeah, because it's basically you got cells and fields and specific, yeah. the same word in repeated contract as a good, a good example, or PO, or so you have the same pretty much cells or fields inside the document that you can yeah. go and actually teach it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So if we want to think of that as structured, brilliant. That's that's form processing, I think, is how Microsoft is referring to it in the documentation. Um, and because that uses AI Builder, that actually requires AI Builder credits to make use of that. Um, and if you have a certain number of uh, syntax licenses in your tenant, I think it's 300 or more, you actually get a million AI Builder credits included uh, per month included with your uh, syntax subscription. But if you have less than that, then you have to go buy your own AI Builder credits to use uh -huh. that. Um, the semi-structured on the document understanding side that's the machine teaching portion. Um, and that I have found in my test that, like if you envision a document where the pieces that you're, you're looking for are kind of vertically structured, I find that that works better than if you have a document that's horizontally structured. I don't know if my hands are showing up on the video there, but. Uh, they going are in. fascinating because they came out of nowhere. And then yeah, they just yeah. right. <laughs> So if you, if you, for example, have, um, uh, uh, I don't know, slides that you that are usually horizontal and you've turned those into PDF files and you try to fit those, you know, pump those through syntax. I find those are, it's not as accurate on those, <coughs> excuse me, as if your content is vertically formatted, like maybe a purchase order. Oh. In so sometimes you have to play around with documents 
to see what kind of results you get. Got it. Yeah. I think that this project cortex and share no project cortex and SharePoint syntax, it's a tongue twister no matter how you view it. Um, but I think it's absolutely fascinating. And now that SharePoint syntax is GA worldwide. Yep. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how this content modeling works and it makes it so doggone happy. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's really cool functionality. Um, some of the other stuff that you're getting with this or some of the other stuff that's integrated with it are um, some of the new investments that Microsoft has made around modernizing the term store and managing mm -hmm. a taxonomy that has come with the same project, right? Because when you when those topics get extracted, you're going to manage those likely through terms in the term set and giving you a nice modern experience for that will be important because like if you think about knowledge getting extracted from documents and topics, those are going to go through a life cycle in your organization, right? Because today, certain knowledge is going to be relevant. Five years from now, probably a different set of knowledge is going to be relevant. So being able to curate and manage and maybe sunset and, you know, decommission topics, that whole life mm -hmm. cycle that will become important. So the term store is where you'll do that. Um, the content type gallery is one of the things that's coming out of it. Um, there's a huge, um, I'll say, I don't want to say reliance, but there's a huge connection between syntax and search so that not project cortex and search so that you, you're able to find those topics in the content where it resides and then surface it um, in smart ways. So it's it's not only the document understanding parts that we talked about in SharePoint. It does bring in these other services as well. I think we're going to be talking about this much more in, in future episodes. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot, there's really a lot of capabilities that this brings to people, right? I've heard lots of people say, yeah, people don't want to fill out metadata. And, you know, with this, you can almost say, okay, you, you don't have to in many cases. You right. can let the system figure it out for you. Yeah. And this is, we're not going to get into this sub because it's a completely big subject. To your point, when you bring Microsoft Teams to the equation where people are actually working with the files tab, and they want to fill in metadata for classification purposes. They cannot do it in Teams. They have to go to SharePoint, which is a painful experience. So yeah. syntax will be a great addition for that. Yeah, such a good point. Yeah. Awesome. Um, one last question. So how people get, how much is it? Do we know? Uh, yes, we do. So syntax is an, another, it's a new license queue. So there is a license on top of so it's there's an add-on license you can purchase on top of E3 or E5 licenses. Right. And I think it retails for five dollars per year. But I'm not a hundred percent on that number. Okay. Yes, I think you're right. Is it I, I might have been looking at Canadian pricing recently and I think it was six dollars and forty cents. So that yeah. probably you know comes down to five dollars US, I'm guessing. Fascinating, fascinating stuff. Thank you, Antonio, for the lesson on um, Project Cortex and SharePoint syntax. No worries. Good, good questions, though. Like, um, I think a lot of people are trying to figure out what it is and uh, the value that it can bring. And I think it can have a huge impact on how information is managed. Love it. Well, thank you both. That was a really, really good topic. And we will see you next time. Bye, Bye everybody. Bye.